G'day and welcome to Occupied, your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. Today, a very timely episode. I bring back my very, very, very good friend, Melissa LaPointe, to discuss what it takes to be successful for therapists moving into the online space and telehealth. Tons and tons of really awesome resources, ideas, and recommendations in this one. So if you are finding yourself pushing into that space at the current time, definitely give this one a listen. Is telehealth right for everyone? Oh, jumping right in. Yeah, why not? Um, is technology right for everyone? I would say yes, it's an essential skill. Um, and I suppose it depends on what you think uh, in terms of telehealth. So a lot of people, a lot of therapists assume telehealth means one-on-one, but through video capabilities. Um, so if that's your definition, is that the right fit for every client and every therapist? I would say no, absolutely not. You say technology is an essential skill, but what what about technology? What would you, what would you say is essential compared to like, obviously there's some things that are non-essential, but what would you say are the essential aspects of it? Well, I would say it depends on the situation, but we can certainly use technology to simplify our lives. And, you know, I held back on that for a very long time in different ways. And, but I think you can lean in and embrace it and find different ways that technology will simplify your life. Um, And then ways to communicate. There are a lot of ways that we can streamline things and communicate with our clients or improve the client process, um, improve. Yeah. There's different components of it. So I would say it depends on who's using it and what context. Um, but I think that, you know, even just even email management, uh, in terms of using that as a productivity tool, you know, everyone uses email. Does everyone use email as a productivity tool? Absolutely not. Uh, so I think we all have potential to grow in how we're using technology. Does everyone use it well? Most definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. I think we can agree there. But is there potential to learn? Of course there is. Uh, but it's like anything else. It's a skill and leaning in and committing to learning to learning it. And I think I'm, I'm going to ask this, but I think I already know the answer to it. Is it with, say, an individual, say, with email, is it a one-size-fits-all answer? Can you just say to someone, this is how you should manage your email? You can give someone some examples, but everybody's brains are very unique and work very differently. So simply, I mean, you can say, this is how you tidy your house, but there are a million different ways to tidy a house. And in part, that's, you know, there's some subjective components into in that. Uh, so I think you can have a teachable moment and you can use a framework to explain to somebody how you might do it. But is that going to be exactly how they do it and how they approach the task? No, I, I would argue that we all have different ways of approaching things that are unique to our learning styles. Because I think even, I guess, even the programs that I use and how I manage mine, which I'm quite happy with how I manage mine at the moment, especially with the massive influx in emails in the last few weeks, would be very different to how you would manage yours and how you're comfortable in managing yours. So like I know for mm-hmm. me, for me, the biggest issue is the inbox. Uh, so I have a an email client called Spark that has, I can't remember what it calls it, like 
magic inbox or something stupid where it only shows the unread emails and I just spend 10, well, not even 10 seconds, one second as an email comes in, whether I need to deal with it or not. And if I need to deal with it, I flag it and then it disappears and I, it goes into a, you know, you need to deal with this section mm-hmm. as opposed to just drowning where I, if I open my, so if I open my email on Outlook or something and I've just got everything in there and it just seems overwhelming, even though I've seen most of them, I'm not able to filter them as well um, as I can on Spark. Like for me, the inbox is the the main issue with my emails. Um, mm-hmm. What's what's what? How do you manage yours? Well, you can approach it from two different angles. One is in terms of how much I let it manage me, uh, so how much I will check it during the day, and my ability to not check my email frequently because then it's pulling away from the other tasks that I'm working on. So that's one component of email management in my eyes is how focused you can be um, and not getting distracted by your email. Uh, So a lot of people are more in a reactive mode with their email and their productivity levels can sometimes be very dependent on when an email pops in their inbox. That's when they take action. And so that's one piece um, for my email management that I've had to work on is not being a slave to my phone, so to speak, and turning my notifications off so that I can actually get some flow in my day. And I'm not operating on other people's schedules right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And then making sure that, again, there's a flow and there's not a bottleneck. So if there are emails that are needed for finances and bookkeeping, they're getting forwarded in that direction. If there are customer service emails where... Um, so my assistant manages our accounts, our billing. So if there's anything that she needs to deal with, making sure it gets forwarded to her. Um, and then I have my assistant managing my schedule. So anything to do with scheduling, um, I don't have to spend time with. Uh, I forward it to her right away or it gets forwarded to her. Um, we have a similar format though, in terms of we have 20 seconds. You have 20 seconds to decide, is it being deleted? Does it need to be scheduled? Is it going to be filed or does it need to be put in the to reply later? Um, but essentially, you know, bulk, bulk scheduling. So we go in and taking action very quickly with our inbox so that it doesn't serve as a storage unit. You know, it's, it's there, but it's not there to it's not there for the emails to live. It's there for action to be taken. So yeah, those are some of the things that we've really been working on in terms of our email inbox and making sure that there's just things aren't, aren't getting blocked or everything is flowing efficiently. So one of the things that I guess has come along with this massive influx in emails and online traffic is there seems to be this massive push uh, given that a lot of the world is now isolating uh, or or in lockdown for everyone to try and put everything into telehealth. When I reckon even two weeks ago, most people probably wouldn't have even known how that works. Maybe people probably still don't know how that works, but they're trying to do it. Do you think this is going to work as a viable uh alternative to face-to-face practice for this many people in say the OT profession um i think that for some people so speaking from a customer client perspective is this a viable option in terms of healthcare services well it has to be 
depending if it's non-essential, it has to be. Uh, so the client is going to have to, in many situations, advocate and recognize that they have different options. I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges for occupational therapists is that our clients have a limited capacity for screen time. Our clients have a limited capacity for this type of interaction. And now all of a sudden they are being bombarded with a variety of health professionals who are moving into the online space. And one of the downfalls to occupational therapy uh, is that there's, how do I word this? So there's a lot of opportunity for us to learn marketing 101. And we need to learn how to market directly to the client uh, because they, you know, there is a lot of opportunity. Um, it's really easy to no-show. It's really easy to not follow through. Um, it's really easy to be overwhelmed and to not want to switch over to telehealth right now. Um, change when we're overwhelmed is very challenging. So if we're looking at the client perspective, they have a lot of options right now. And are they in a space where they are able to take action? Well, that's it depends, you know, everyone's going to be in their own unique situation. So now we have this influx of therapists who are being forced in a lot of situations, you know, their jobs are dependent on learning these skills. And we all know as therapists that skill retention, you know, learning something new under situations of stress is not an ideal learning situation. So we have all of these therapists who are flooded onto telehealth, figuring out tech skills, figuring out how to get set up, and then they're set up and it's crickets. Um, you know, they're not hearing from their clients. Some people are having success in booking, but some people are not. They're not hearing from their clients. Um, they're really confused. They're feeling as though they're ghosted. Their sessions aren't going very well. And yeah, there's a lot of challenges and not a lot of support in working through that. So do I see a lot of therapists right now getting discouraged of, oh my goodness, do I ever? But it's a new skill. And I think we also, you know, we have to give ourselves some time. So it's unfortunate that time's not on our side in this situation. Um, in order to provide continuity of service, you have to figure out how to provide service via technology for a lot of our clients. We're not able to do that face to face. So yeah, it's interesting times, you know, do I think it's sustainable? Um, I think the reality is that a lot of people are not going to be able to shift their messaging and they're going to fall short and they're going to be other therapists, whether they're OTs or other professions who are able to capitalize this and adjust their messaging for their clients and have success 100%. There are a lot of people having great success with telehealth, um, but it's challenging for a lot of people for sure. So what do you think, uh, I guess, the key differences in the therapists themselves between those that are struggling and those that might be, I guess, having more success with this? Um. There are multiple, like I would say in some situations, it's luck, the right place, the right time. Um, some people have stronger support systems in terms of mentoring, in terms of training. Um, some people have already been moving. You know, I work with a number of therapists who've been moving towards the online space for quite some time. This isn't something new. This is something they've been actively working towards. So some therapists are set up quite well, and they have been. They have established online businesses. Um, your ability to be fluid in your learning, you know, these are skills that were not taught to us in OT school, especially if we start to talk about marketing and messaging, uh, but openness to learning and you know, finding different levels of support in terms of when you do have questions, when you are overwhelmed, when you are challenged, this comes with the territory of learning something new. But again, how you're supported in meeting those challenges, I think is going to make all the difference in the world too. 
So in the the therapists that you've seen that are doing really well at this, are they providing the same service that they were in person or is it just essentially rewriting it starting from scratch for an, for an online delivery? I would say there are some similarities, but certainly some differences. The environment is different. The way of interacting is different. Um, and building that therapeutic relationship, that rapport is going to be different. Um, and you have to take all of that into account. You know, how you, both you and your client are in two different environments. So now not only are you having to take the environment into context, but you have two environments where you are in terms of how you're facilitating the session and what's happening at your end but you also have their environment. And then you also have the environment that you have to, you know, if they're sitting at a desk and you're sitting at a desk, but now all of a sudden you're having a discussion about a situation, you have to find different ways to support that learning. You know, if you're visualizing a certain situation or your client is explaining something. Um, so I think there are, you know, it's, it's just different. It's not better. It's not worse. There may be certain scenarios or certain therapeutic modalities that you are not as, you you can't pull out of your toolbox in an online situation. But again, you would modify that regardless of the situation. If you were doing a home visit versus a, a visit in a clinic where you had access to a lot of equipment versus a community outing in a library, you would practice differently. You would pull different tools out of your toolbox based on the environment, based on the goals at hand. And I would hope that in the online space, you know, take the environment into account. What are the goals? And the goals right now are going to be different, not in every scenario, but we have to understand that across the globe, people are going through a lot and their goals now that they are home, you know, if this is an adult client, their home, their spouse is home, their children are home. There may be worries about paying bills. There may be jobs that are lost. They're goals right now are very different than they were two weeks ago when they were seeing you. So yes, the context is switched, but the entire, you know, like there have been a lot of changes. So that's where we really have to meet our clients where they are, which is in part where I think it's extra challenging. We're not just switching to telehealth. We're supporting our clients through, they're going through a lot. Their lives have changed and we can't simply carry the same therapeutic goals to the table as we had two weeks ago. Uh, so yeah, collectively, we're going through a lot right now. The world seems to be changing every two days at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, the time of this recording, right? Like what, who's to say right now at the time of this recording, by the time that this gets published, who knows what else is going to change? It's really, yeah, it's a time that if we're resistant to change, we're really going to struggle. Yeah, and unfortunately, I feel like a lot of OTs are resistant to change just as a general thing. Uh, I, not even with the telehealth thing, just with new theories, new ideas, new ways of looking at it, there's quite often a lot of resistance. <laughs> so given that this is such a large shift for everything, for everyone, um can't help but feel there's going to be some people that are either not going to cope with this shift or just not going to be able to do it essentially absolutely absolutely there's going to be a lot of people that really have a hard time with this um personal situations professional situations 
um, that's the reality of the situation. You know, there are students whose fieldwork placements are going to be very much impacted. There are going to be students whose education is going to be impacted. Um, we're going to see ripple effect, you know, a ripple effect for many years to come on what's going on right now. So the other thing that I've seen is that everyone that I've seen that's kind of shifting to telehealth, so to speak, uh, seems to be doing it in the same way. So I'm going to this service and I'm going to modify it or do what I can with it via Zoom in most cases or some kind of Skype, Zoom, etc. So all the same sort of services. What are they missing? There's got to be other ways of doing telehealth other than just <laughs> doing what we were doing yes, on a computer. There's opportunity. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. You're speaking my language now. Um, it is my hope. It is my intention that more therapists can use this as an opportunity to wake up and redefine client-centered care, redefine how, you know, in terms of service delivery, what that might look like, and just have a different idea in terms of how we can help our clients reach an outcome, reach a goal. But there are so many different ways to get there. And does it always have to include time for, you know, that direct client therapist relationship where it's based on units of time. No, it does not. And to begin to understand leveraged offers. So OTs who are having success in the online space without burning out in a way that's sustainable are figuring out what a leveraged offer is. And a leveraged offer is so simply you know, ideally the same amount of effort, but for you're impacting many more people. So if you can, you know, an online course would be a great example of a leveraged offer. If you create an online course, an educational offering, it's the same amount of work. The course is created, whether you have one person or a thousand people taking that course, it's the same amount of time and energy at your end. So that's an example of a leveraged offer. And during our OT training, for whatever reason, you know, we talk about groups, but groups, we, you know, it's, it's very interactive and still that's not... Um, an in-person group when you're facilitating, you know, 12, 15 people, but a leveraged offer, you can, you can impact more people that way. And for whatever reason, that has been, you know, most therapists don't understand how to leverage their time, how to leverage their resources. And it is my hope that, Yes, we are getting shoved. You know, it's not a gentle nudge into the online space. There's a little bit of a kick in the butt, um, but it's a wake-up call. And there are so many ways. OTs are so creative. We are adaptive. Now is an opportunity to figure out how we can leverage our time, our energy, and still provide client support, you know, client-centered care and what that might look like in the online space. Um, yeah, so there are OTs that are doing it, but there's a lot. There are a lot of OTs dragging their feet. Um, there are a lot of regulatory bodies that don't really know what's happening and are functioning off of legislation that's archaic. Um, there's a lot of, but it's happening. Change is happening, and you know we can acknowledge it. We can jump on the bandwagon. We can advocate, or we can drag our feet, kicking and screaming. But the OTs, specifically the OTs who are in private practice in some context, you know, they're going to, the ones who succeed are going to be the ones who figure this out. Um, survival of the fittest right now. Yeah, it does definitely seem a bit that way. Um, 
and I like I can completely understand about the archaic policies and that sort of thing. Like uh, up until I think it was last week, wasn't any real telehealth services funded by uh, federal funding uh, in Australia? Federal funding, state funding. I can't remember. Um, yeah, no, yeah, federal funding, Medicare, um, and they've essentially pushed. Well, I think it's still actually going. I'm not sure it's 100 percent through yet, but they've. Um, OT Australia was advocating and as in part of the talks to push uh, the ability or well, this this new emergency bill through uh, to allow OT services to be provided and funded via Medicare. So actually, I think it has gone through and it came through that any any services that were previously being funded like in person can now be delivered via telehealth, which in itself is somewhat limiting wasn't you know all encompassing to start with but it's you know, mm-hmm. government money so i can kind of understand that uh but at least it's something it's it gives people somewhere that they yeah. can they can start and something they can build off at least absolutely and south africa has recently pushed through the same um so in south africa before in order to provide any type of telehealth um you had to meet them in person which kind of defeats the whole point of of telehealth in some ways. Uh, Same thing, many states now, so across the U.S., there are many states that have pushed through um, Arizona recently, like a number of states that have pushed through not just telehealth, but in terms of the rules and regulations, they've also relaxed a little bit in terms of the rules and regulations. And that's part of what we have to realize. When this all blows over, and it will, you know, we will weather through this storm. And when we do, all the advances we've made in technology, we're not going to let that go. We're not going to take a step back. The, you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five workforce has changed. There is no going back. We are seeing a lot of benefits in many ways in terms of work from home and productivity, but we are, it's, it's not ideal for everybody. Um, and it's not ideal full time, you know, I'm not saying, but we are seeing the ability to adapt and change and there's no going back. You know, what, like after this all all passes over, we have this knowledge, we have this new way of working with people and we won't lose that. You know, the, we've, we've moved forward. We are, yeah, we're, we're evolving. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, what, yeah, how this plays out in terms of the, the change and change in our profession. Cause I think that's one of the other concerns is that, uh, I guess services delivered via telehealth, either, aren't as good or aren't as effective or aren't as comprehensive as what you can deliver in person, is it possible to, well, firstly, is that true? And secondly, is it possible to deliver a telehealth service that is as effective, if not potentially more effective than something you can do in person? Um, Again, I would argue that we do what we have to do and do I have scenarios where I have been able to establish a fabulous client therapist relationship and rapport and facilitate change through that client therapist relationship? Yes, um, I certainly have. And now that I'm working primarily in the coaching industry, have I again been able to facilitate change with some of my coaching clients through a virtual relationship? Um, we are creative in how we facilitate this connection, this relationship, but 100%, yes, we've, we've had a lot of success. Again, do I think, like, if it's this or that, 
if I could meet my clients in person and have coffee and go for a walk, would that be ideal? Uh, Sure. That would be fabulous. But it's simply not a good fit for every situation. And that's not how my business is set up. So for a lot of therapists, you know, is it this or that? I don't think it has to be either. And if you're doing a hybrid model, so a combination of in-person and online, there are a lot of ways that that hybrid model, those, those different modalities can really benefit each other. And if you're able as a therapist to find more balance in how you're designing your lifestyle and how you're living your life and how you're, you know, that's huge. Like that I'm able to use a walkie talkie app to go through and have office hours and connect with my clients when I'm out walking is huge for me. Like that, that's added a significant um, boost to my productivity levels. Uh, so, you know, there, there are different ways that we can certainly modify. Um, and I don't think it's this or that. And when there is not the option, you know, right now for many of us, we don't have the option. It's not, oh, I would like to see you in person, but it's, it's, this is the reality, you know, okay, Mrs. Smith, I know we're meant to have a visit in person next week, but because we really care about our clientele, we're doing our best to keep you safe. We're switching over to a video platform. Don't worry. We still have all your contact info. We still have your goals. Your th- you know, as your therapist, I'm going to send you over a short video. This is really user-friendly. Here's how it works. Here's what you can expect. I'm here to support you along the way. I know there are a lot of challenges right now, right? Like you keep that line of communication Mm. open. So if it's not an option, don't present it as an option, but still hold their hand, still walk them through the process of what that change may be like in terms of how you're working with them. Um, And if there is an option, you know, again, just being clear what what that might look like. Um, And I think that applies for any environment. If you were seeing somebody in their home versus they were coming to your office, I hoped that they would have an idea of what to expect and what the the container, the boundaries of that client therapist relationship would be, you know, what the ways to, to communicate with you are and how you would be facilitating that session. Um, I hope that your clients would have some idea anyways, regardless if it's going to be via video platform or in person. So the, the, the walkie talkie app that you were talking about, I'm assuming is Voxer. Yes. 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 I quite love Voxer. Yeah. I know you do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, and I mean, so I say I like Voxer. I like Voxer because it's, you can do the same in a lot of ways, but I use Voxer primarily at this point for work. So again, it comes back to boundaries and notifications. I am really good at checking Boxer during work hours, whereas a an app such as WhatsApp, I have friends and family on WhatsApp as well. So that one is harder for me to to turn my notifications. I don't keep notifications on, but like Boxer, sometimes I'll actually remove the app from my phone when I'm taking a two-day break, um, whereas WhatsApp is a little bit different. So that's why I love Boxer. I feel like I have really good boundaries with Boxer. That's why I can annoy you on WhatsApp. <laughs> I know you're always there. <laughs> so with Voxer, just to give people a rundown, because again, you introduced me to Voxer uh, and I'd never heard of it before. So it is like a walkie-talkie app where you can have uh, essentially like voice clip-based conversations with people, same as you would with two walkie-talkies. But it also means that uh, the thing I think the thing that I found useful with it was obviously we're in very different time zones. So you can leave me a message. I can respond when I get it. You can respond when you get that message and you can have an ongoing 
conversation that if you do lose your place, you can go back and listen to the last few clips, that kind of thing. But you can have an ongoing conversation that isn't, uh, I guess, dictated by nailing down a time when you're both free. So it is mm-hmm. it kind of, I guess, frees up that restriction from, uh, you know, whatever people have got going on in their life. Definitely. I like that you can have, you know, there's a topic, you can stay on task. And the other thing that I like about Voxer, so we use Voxer to complement our email communication with my one-on-one clients. And I can hear their their tone of voice through Voxer. I can hear, like, I, I'm very intuitive and there's, there's a lot within the context of that message sometimes. Uh, so, and it also helps in terms of email management because I can send over a very short email and say, listen to my boxer for more details. And if we're talking something out, if we're doing a brain dump, if we are, you know, if if someone's venting to me or sharing their celebrations, I can hear, I can get a lot out of a boxer message that I wouldn't always be able to get out of through email. And then the other benefit, you know, sometimes we spend a lot of time formatting and overthinking and proofreading. Whereas Voxer, you can get into a bit more of a flow for some of the, uh, the ways that you're communicating and we share communication guidelines with our clients so that they're not totally, you know, what am I doing with this? Um, so there are ways that you can make some tweaks to the boxer settings. And then we share guidelines in terms of the best ways to communicate via boxer, of course, knowing that that evolves over time between two people, but we, you know, like anything else, if you're bringing a client to a platform, how can you take some baby steps with them? And do it in a way where you're not recreating the wheel each time. Leverage your time. You know, Loom. Loom is a great, it's, it's a Chrome extension. It's free. The pro version is free right now. And you can re- record a short Loom video. You know, hey, Jane, so this is how this platform works. It does a screen share. You can have your face in the corner. Uh, so it's really personal. And you can record a short video with their name or without um, and simply walk them through the steps and then send it in an email. You know, this three-minute video and all of a sudden their apprehension about trying something new um, is has gone down while they see your face, while they hear your voice talking you through. You know, what a beautiful way to start off a therapeutic relationship or to continue uh, and just pop in their e- inbox and let them know. So we try to do that with Boxer, with our clients. If you've never used it before, here's a little rundown um, and give them some guidelines and then we can hit the ground running with it and everybody's that much more confident in in how you're communicating and how you're working together. So all these little steps, you know, we, it's really important to not forget about. Um, we can get frustrated with our clients not jumping on the telehealth bandwagon. Uh, well, you know, just because we have our social media picture changed over doesn't quite mean they're ready. Um, they're still, you know, we don't know what's happening. They're, they're really, a lot of people are really confused right now and their priorities have shifted. And I mean, if you look at, just come back to the, yeah, just in terms of our hierarchy of needs, you know, come back to Maslow's work and survival is at the bottom and we've got to figure that out for a lot of people. That's where we are right now is in survival mode. Therapists as well as clients. And I think, well, there's a few other benefits I know with Voxer for your clients, the personal, uh, it's free for a personal account. So like there's no cost to the person wanting to connect with the therapist, that kind of thing. Um, but the other benefit it is like you were talking about before with regards to what you can get from a person's tone of voice and all that sort of stuff is you can also use your communication skills and be really 
almost like reassuring to that person in a really stressful, uncertain period of time. So there's there's a benefit that you can have for them just in your communication skills as well. And I think that's a great, so this is a great moment to also remind everybody who is exploring with telehealth um, to set those boundaries. Because what I'm seeing in terms of therapists who are switching over to telehealth, again, it's a different way of working with our clients. And sometimes employers don't realize that. So there needs to be some advocating happening um, because employers don't necessarily realize that productivity standards are changing. Uh, in terms of charting, that's going to change. Like everything is is different. And I'm seeing a lot of therapists talk about burnout. You know, they're prepping for their sessions, they're running the sessions, they're charting, they're doing all these big fancy follow-ups, but only billing for a 50-minute unit. Um, and yeah, in terms of burnout, you know, just because you are all of a sudden using technology does not mean you are available to your client all the time. And you have to set the clear guidelines on that. You have to set that, you know, set up the the walls of your container in the beginning. So my clients know 24 to 48 hour response time on Boxer and on the weekends. Sometimes I respond, sometimes I don't. Um, but it's not a hotline. It's It doesn't mean you get access to me right away. And we do a, a time limit, you know, roughly 10 to 12 minutes per week so that it's not, you know, I'm not getting... 500 messages that are five minutes long each. Uh, So giving people some guidelines and people feel safer when we give them guidelines. You know, it's, it's really important in terms of that therapeutic relationship. And I think it's very important in terms of how you're communicating with your clients. So my clients always know, you know, texting Facebook messenger. Absolutely not. Do not send me Facebook messenger. Stay out of my inbox. Um, But I, you know, and it's not, I just, you have to be clear on this in the beginning or you end up burning out because you don't have any, any, you know, there's no line in the sand in terms of how you're using technology personally, professionally, for learning, for client communications. And that's how, you know, I talk a lot about it being sustainable and that's how it's sustainable is you have healthy boundaries with your notifications, with your devices, with your screen time, but also you have those clear guidelines set up from the get-go in terms of how, what that client communication looks like. What other tools? So we've talked about Voxer, Loom, Zoom, obviously, which is what we're using at the moment. Although we were talking earlier about how Zoom is currently having a few issues with some of the bigger group type chats purely and simply because of just the sheer volume of traffic that it's just been inundated with, with all of these people suddenly taking pretty much their whole lives online. Are there any other tools or or tools that people may not have heard of uh, or used before that you're, you're familiar with? Cause you, I do know from personal experience, for some reason you seem to be just amazing at finding some of these things. (laughs) Um, yes, I do geek out. This is what I do for fun. Um, so it depends on what features you're looking for, for sure. But there are, and I think that's part of it is getting clear on the features you're needing, not the features you're wanting, the features you're needing. Um, I think everybody who's doing anything in the online space should have an online scheduler, even if it's just setting up a visit with a friend. I think everybody needs an online scheduler. 
Um, I think we are past the time of any email back and forth. What time works for you? Well, this time. Oh, that time doesn't work for me. How about this time? We are past that. It's 15 bucks. It's free. You can get a, you can get them for free. Um, get an online scheduler. So that's like uh, number one. I feel personally attacked by this. Uh, well, no, but I can send you to mine, so it's all good. <laughs> right? Brock, do you really not have an do you really not have an online scheduler? I don't use it. I schedule one of these like oh. once a month, like Oh goodness. I know. I have, um, I have actually I I will admit that I've looked I've looked into it in the last probably in the even last even with month. your guests because that's a sign but that's a sign of respecting your your podcast guests you respect their time and that there's none of this back and forth you can just schedule a time don't you agree yeah but that's the thing i think i don't keep a regular hours for the podcast so if you've got a time i make it work that's why i'm up at stupid o'clock in the morning sometimes recording these because i'll just fit in around whatever is most convenient for you so there is no back and forth yeah. it's what time can you do sweet i'll be there yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so what ones do I recommend? It depends again. Uh, so I use Acuity. I know people, if you're looking for, because there are a number of platforms, there are a number of tools that have these features. So Acuity has online scheduling. Yes, it accepts payment. That's not what we use to accept payment. Um, but if you're also looking for something that does charting, that has a client portal that you want for delivering content to your clients, you know, um, a lot of Canadians use Jane app uh, because that has a scheduling feature in it as well. Um, intake. So is it intake Q is another one. Um, Doxy.me is another one. So it depends. Do you want the video platform? Do you want charting? Do you, you know, what features do you need? Uh, and it's equivalent to going to the grocery store hungry without a list, get clear on the features that you need. And I would say within the next three months, you know, we, we don't want to be limiting ourselves, but it's really, really easy to go down all the rabbit holes because there's a lot out there. And next thing you know, you're exploring everything. I've certainly been in that situation where we spend a lot of time learning and we didn't stick to one platform and it was really overwhelming for me and my team, um, which at the time was one person and I had her learning all the platforms. Um, Simple Practice is another one. Therabyte is another one. Oh my goodness, there are so many now in terms of Again, do you want scheduling? Do you want payment? You know, what, what features do you need? Um, the sky's the limit. There's certainly no, no, and I'm sure I'm, I'm missing tons. We have an ongoing list of recommendations that we've been working on updating. And then I know there's so many recommendations right now floating around. Um, yeah. So it, again, it comes back to the features that you're needing. You know, what do you need? What kind of services are you providing? How are you communicating with your clients? And then getting clear on, okay, what software do I actually need for this and what equipment? I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of minimalism whenever possible and not overkill because that's how overwhelm happens. Um, you know, and I don't have, I don't have space in my life to be overwhelmed. We may need to, Simplicity. we may need to discuss because I may need one of these things, I feel. Not necessarily for Occupied, but the reason I've been looking into it is for the round table because that is coordinating multiple people across multiple yes. time zones. And that does involve some back and forth. Real time buddy will be your friend. I love that app. Um, but exactly like there's, there's ways that, and it's, it saves up because we have to think in terms of context switching, you know, it's not just a little bit of back and forth, but it's, 
it's what's happening in terms of your overall productivity and switching tasks to all of a sudden pull up a schedule and do that little back and forth. You can eliminate that. And, and it's a more professional service. You know, if we talk about people who are now charging for their services, cash-based, it's such a, you know, it's, it's a more professional service from the beginning. And you're building that no like, and trust as an authority, as, as a, as a professional. And they, you're taking them through that process in a way that's, again, it's more streamlined. It's more client friendly. It's not as much, it's not as much work at their end, which any of these obstacles we can help overcome or eliminate in the client journey experience is going to help in terms of not only securing clients, but retaining clients and bringing them back. You know, those recurring clients are huge in terms of our, in terms of our revenue streams. So every little bit matters. So one of the other thing with regards to, I guess, getting clients, keeping clients, et cetera, what sort of advice can you give for actually getting started? Cause I can see that a lot of people would be like, all right, same business, same marketing strategy. They'd post something online saying, yeah, yeah I'm doing telehealth now. And one, does that work? Cause I have a suspicion that it probably wouldn't. <laughs> uh, two, well, like, you can ask the people who are doing it. Let me know. Well, yeah. But uh, like how should people's, I guess their, their strategies for actually getting clients and keeping clients in a way change going into the digital world as opposed to how they would day to day or like in a, in a one-on-one face-to-face kind of world. Uh, so a couple of things, I mean, I could talk about this all day long. So if I'm going to be succinct, which I am trying to be, um, the first thing is building your audience right now is a great time to be building your audience. If you're not focusing on building your audience and you're in your, you know, cash based and you're growing in that direction, um, start there because you should have a way to capture people's emails and you should be putting out some type of content to capture their emails. The best way to do that is to get clear on who you're targeting and that's needed now more than ever. And for a lot of therapists, there's like a lot of resistance to that, but it's noisy out there. And if you're trying to offer services to everybody, nobody knows who you're talking to and nobody's going to listen. Um, and that's probably, you know, really getting clear on your niche, your ideal client avatar. That's definitely where I see a lot of therapists struggle because they think, well, then I'm cutting out potential revenue. But what they don't understand is that, you know, word of mouth travels, but also like you have to cut through the noise. You have to be clear on who it is you're, you're targeting. If like, people have to know your, they have to resonate with your messaging within five to eight seconds or they're gone, they're bounced to somewhere else. So you have to be really clear on who you're targeting, what their pain point is, you know, what the results you're, you're trying to help them achieve. Um, so building your audience. And that's something we talk about a lot in my free group. In like I talk a lot to OTs about how to build their audience through content. But another principle in marketing that people need to understand is direct response marketing. And that is what we're doing. We are trying to connect with our audience with generating leads, people who are raising their hand saying, oh, you know, what you're talking about is interesting. I want to hear more. But we're doing it in a way that's asking that person to take an action you know, listen to my podcast, read my blog, click on this post, right? We're, we're asking mm. them to do something. And in order for somebody to, to actually take action, we have to come across in a way that's interesting, that's catching their attention. And they have to trust us. We have to build some level of rapport in order for people, in order for us to be relevant and people 
you know, they hear us, they, but they also remember we stand out enough that they then will take action. And whether that's clicking, listening, downloading, but we're always asking people to take action. But what a lot of therapists don't realize, you know, they don't ask, first of all, oh, I'm not going to ask. That's pushy. I won't ask. <laughs> it's like if you don't ask at a grade four level and be very clear and succinct, people will not take action. And just because you ask them once, that doesn't mean, you know, oh, but I already asked. I posted on my Facebook page once. That is not enough. We have to flex that muscle. We have to do it again and again and again. And you can do it in a way that's not pushy. It's simply acknowledging that we are in an era where we are inundated with messaging 24-7. And you have to be creative in how you're cutting through the noise and really connecting with that person. And I think OTs with the psychology of marketing, the oh my goodness, OTs are primed to do such amazing things right now that we have to get out of our own way and stop thinking of selling and marketing as icky. It's not. Um, it's a different way of communicating, of getting our message to our clients who need to hear it. But we have to make sure the message is relevant to right now. And it's in a language that our clients get, that our clients resonate with. You know, writing copy is another essential skill that's not taught in OT school. Um, but writing copy through social media posts, through different content, we have to know how to write in the language that our audience wants to read. And it's something it's not just taking a course, it's practicing and doing it again and again and again. So there are so many different ways in terms of marketing. Uh, so building an audience, direct response marketing, and then another big one is storytelling, which again, I think OTs are prime for this. Um, but doing our marketing, which, which again is so often as health professionals, we're taught to not talk about ourselves or not use ourselves as examples, but storytelling as a form of marketing, our brains are hardwired for it. And that's another piece that I think OTs can really lean into that we can do really well with. Um, but it's, it's an art, it's a discipline. You, you really need to carve out the time and commit to learning some, you know, marketing 101 uh, to really resonate with your people and know that if you're not there are therapists out there who are leaning in, who are expanding and evolving to include and therapists beyond OT. There are a number of practitioners, there are a number of coaches, there are a number of entrepreneurs who are keen on getting a piece of the pie, who are promoting and finding ways to target our, you know, our clients' pain points that are usually around functional movement activities of daily living, you know, their things that their occupations, how productivity, this is all like lifestyle. This is all OT. And if we're not going to jump in, there are other people that will, you know, it's as my, <laughs> am I allowed to swear? As my mom would say, like shit or get off the pot. It's time. <laughs> so obviously, like you said before, there's a lot of these skills that aren't taught in OT school, but like where do, where can therapists start? Where, where can we start learning about these things? Um, I mean, there are so many. We are in an era of content overwhelm, and that applies to therapists as well as clients, as well as customers. We talk about it a lot. Like I have a free Facebook group, and this is what we talk about a lot. Um, I have a free training. This is what we talk about a lot. Am I the only one saying this? Absolutely not. So I think knowing that you can find somebody that you resonate with, there's, there's so much information out there. There are podcasts, there are courses, there's so much content. 
But like anything else, it's not simply a matter of learning. Well, I shouldn't say like everything. In this situation, you can't simply learn it. You have to execute. You have to practice. Like writing copy, it's not just taking a course. You have to continue to practice. It's a muscle that you have to flex. So I think finding a community of like-minded practitioners and finding a safe place for you to practice, and you're not going to get it right the first time. And that's okay. And But that's what... You know, skill refinement. Just keep practicing. Uh, so there's no shortage of information, but finding somebody you resonate with, you connect with, you find interesting, you find engaging, that's going to help you learn. You know, I have lots of different people, you know, coaches, mentors who I work with are people who light me up, who I enjoy following. I really appreciate their story. I really enjoy learning from them. They match my learning style. So we have so much choice out there. Um, there are so many programs. That's not the issue. But finding something where you cannot just learn, but practice and implement. Uh, so finding that place where you can try, you know, try learning, try implementing these new skills. That's going to be the biggest challenge for people. Loaded question would you recommend a coach? Would I recommend a coach? Hmm. Either a, um, a business coach or uh, some kind of online coaching mentor type thing. It depends. If you want to speed up the process and meet your goals sooner, then sure. If you want to take the harder way around and you like to punish yourself, then okay. <laughs> so it really depends. Um, but again, it's... It, I mean, I'm saying that, but, it, but in many ways, it's true. Um, so you don't know what you don't know. We all have blind spots. And I know a lot of us like to do it ourselves. But how's that going for you? Have you achieved the results that you hoped you would have achieved at this point? And if you haven't, what's going to change? You know, where, where is the motivation to take that next step? Um, so we think we can do it ourselves, but that's what blind spots are. We don't know the questions to ask. We don't, we don't know what to look for on the internet. We've never done this before. So why wouldn't you work with somebody who's been through this, who's done this, who can hold your hand and guide you through something you've never gone through, but they have? Do I think there are a lot of coaches out there who are not the best fit or who are Coaching is not a regulated industry. And do I think that there are coaches out there who aren't great coaches? Of course, like any anything else. Yes, of course I do. Do I think there are some amazing coaches out there, amazing mentors who can cut your learning curve in half and you know, just help you res re achieve those results in a fraction of the time with less pain and struggle? 100%. Of course I do. Um, but it's, you know, sometimes you have to kiss some, kiss some frogs to find that grant. Same thing with coaching. Some people have to <laughs> find. Don't go kissing coaches. <laughs> wash your hands, stay no, home. No, especially not at this time. <laughs> stay home, wash your hands. No, no kissing. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think coaching and mentoring, again, you know, having some type of support and guidance uh, when it's something you've never been through, why wouldn't you? Um, yeah. So those are, that's my thought. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, cause this is something I could see myself ending up in this trap, but do you think there is potential to almost get caught up trying to use too many different tools, online tools? Cause I know You're similar to you. You're my 2016. <laughs> yeah. Cause similar to you, I 
like to get, even as you were telling me some of those tools, I was looking them up to see what they were. And I'm like, I can use this and I can use that. And I'm like, 90% of them do the same thing. I'm like, I only need one of them, but I'm going to try them all. Uh, yes. And I, I feel like if I was going to go into that space, then I would end up almost overloading on the number of tools, which then sort of again, creates complexities time, yeah. that don't need to be there and, yeah, and wastes a lot of my own time as well as clients. Do you think that's a trap that we're going to see uh, a lot of people absolutely. do? It's, it's a trap that I provide a service. There's the reason I do system audits with my clients. Um, I worked with a business advisor where we implemented a rule. I was not allowed to make any purchases within 72 hours, meaning if something you know showed up that I wanted to purchase, I had to wait 72 hours and I had to be prepared to justify it to her. And this was more me putting it in place than her, but I thought, okay, we, we had gone through a systems audit and I saw, you know, there were a few things that I signed up for that I never used and, you know, shiny object syndrome. Um, but we do, yeah, so I, I do a systems audit with my one-on-one clients to make sure that they're not going down, um, down any paths, less traveled or well, very often traveled, I should say. Um, absolutely. It's a trap and it's something again, that's why I think there's benefit to advising, to being in a program, a group where at least people can give you the heads up. Hey, this is a trap. I fell down. At least let me help limit, you know, instead of 10, here's three, um, choose, set a timer, 30 minutes each, make a decision, and then let's move forward and let's commit to that for six months, right? Like when there's somebody there to hold your feet to the flame, so to speak, Mm. and hold you accountable, that can really help. And again, it's saving you time. You know, some of my clients, I'm able to save hours and hours and hours of time. And what is that worth to them? Um, That's time that they can now be generating revenue with or be spending time with their family, right? Like whatever. But if I can save them 10 hours a month, that's huge. Um, so helping, you know, what, what needs to be the focus right now. And I mean, being an entrepreneur, being in business and more of us are going in that direction. We're really seeing opportunity, but also seeing how much potential there is to burn out if we complete, you know, if we continue doing things the way we're doing things. And it's a lot, it's a lot of, to manage. There are a lot of hats. There's a lot of different things and all the different tools and technology. And a lot of us love to procrastinate through novelty. You know, we procrastinate by going shopping for different platforms and programs. It's, it's definitely a problem. <laughs> I think it's one of those things similar to buying anything in real life where you're always looking for that, that, you know, that golden goose that's going to make life easier and do everything oh, yes. you want it to. And Oh, and then you find something and, oh, it's amazing. But then this new one comes along and, oh, what if this one is better? And I have to go and try that. Yeah, and it's a great way to – and, I mean, isn't in a nutshell, like so much – two months ago, how many of us thought teletherapy and telehealth and technology and getting online, that was the, you know, the golden bullet for our business. That was it. Um, That's what we needed. And realizing that that's not the case, there's more to it, you know, just because you get yourself – online and doing telehealth that doesn't mean your business it's it's not what's going to be the end-all be-all and we're realizing that now i'm definitely seeing the pendulum swing to the other side in terms of the online discussions and different ot's expressing their thoughts their experiences with telehealth and there are a lot of positives but there are a lot of not so positives and yeah it's all it's all connected because i think in line with that 
I feel like we're about to see a whole lot of burnout. Oh, yes, 100%. 100%. We already are. I think we're, we're – I think previously telehealth was an option uh, and a lot of people avoided it because of, you know, whether it was the skill set required or it didn't fit with their ethos or whatever the reason was. I think now that the option has been taken away and it's almost being forced that this is pretty much, at least for the short term, going to be the only way to practice for a little while. I feel like we're pushing people into a world that they don't, that they're not comfortable with, they don't understand, or they're not highly skilled in. And I think especially those people who probably aren't super tech savvy and they're going to at least try or they're going to just fight it until the end and avoid it. Uh, I feel like especially those people, we're going to see high levels of burnout to start with. But I think it's going to Well, and there's also, well, and we also have to realize that there's a lot going on in terms of vicarious trauma, in terms of burnout, in terms, like there are a number of colleagues who are, you know, working frontline right now. Um, I have a number of therapy friends who are considered essential services, who are working in hospitals, who are continuing to see clients. And there's on, you know, on this one side, this expectation to be productive and jump into telehealth, but not giving ourselves time to grieve and time to, you know, there, there are a lot of things going on in the world that we need to honor that, oh, I'm spinning my wheels. I'm not feeling super productive. My head's in the clouds. I'm really struggling right now. And, oh, but I have all this opportunity and I need to go, go, go. Like that's, that's recipe for burnout right there that we're not, you know, there are some heavy emotions going around right now. We're all experiencing a different reality than any of us could have predicted a month ago. Um, and we need to make sure that we are giving ourselves space to process that to the best of our ability. And if we're not accounting for that, that is going to lead to burnout. Um, there's going to be, you know, in terms of compassion fatigue, in terms of so many of us are taking on, you know, we, there are a lot of people struggling right now. There are, you know, peds like there are a lot of families who don't have the ability to do telehealth who don't have the equipment who don't have the environments there are a lot of kids who are in very chaotic situations right now where school was their safe place and there are a lot of ot's who are taking on that pain and not necessarily having healthy outlets to process that mm. um, and i use Pete as an example because that's my comfort zone but you know in, in any area our clients, our patients are going through a lot and we are not necessarily set up in a way we don't have those in-person connections with our colleagues. We don't have the opportunity to really like, oh, this is what's going on. The end of the day, wrap up before we go home, our transition time, that's all changed. And if we don't acknowledge that, if we don't have a holistic approach to how we are working, you know, to how we are addressing burnout yeah, we're in trouble. There's there's certainly potential for a lot of things to go sideways right now. And this is all new territory. So we don't necessarily have the supports in place for, you know, employers don't have supports in place for employees yet. We're still figuring this out. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's uncharted territories. And there's going to be a lot of good, but there's going to be a lot of not so good. Because I was talking to someone the other day uh, and they were talking about how they don't, one of their issues was they don't now have that, 
I guess, barrier between work and home where, you know, previously it was get in the car, drive 20, 25 minutes to home and that was their almost decompression period before they got home. Um, But one of the cool things I did hear from my friend Ellen Nicholson was saying that now what she's doing is she's walking to work in that she'll get up, she'll get dressed, same as she normally would, and she will walk around the block, come back home, start work. And then at the end of her workday, she will get up, walk around the block, and walk home, as she calls it. And that's kind of her separation. Awesome. Um, so it's her way of uh, not just not just keeping the routine, but keeping, uh, I guess, some of those side benefits, like that separation between work and and home life. And once she's walked home, as she calls it, that's it. Yeah. Like, that's it. No more work. Work's done. Same as it would be. Uh, you know, if she was still working in her office kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. Because for a lot of people, their transition from a client session is to finally unlock the door that their three-year-old is banging on on the other side, right? Like that's the reality for a lot of therapists right now. And it's not sustainable. Um, It's not, you know, in terms of, oh my goodness. Yeah. There are a lot of stressed, there are a lot of stressed out people right now. And again, we're still relatively new to this. We haven't found our groove quite yet. Some people have, Uh, some people have been doing this for a while, but for a lot of people, you know, it's still, it's still new and we still have a ways to go before we adapt and acclimatize. And ideally, you know, hopefully we don't, hopefully the situation isn't happening so long that we all have to acclimatize, but for now it is what it is. And yeah, we have to jump on the horse, you know, learn these skills and practice and adapt. And if we don't want to learn these skills, we need to find a different way to practice um, as clinicians, or maybe it's not as clinicians, maybe it's, you know, a different way in terms of how we are operating as occupational therapists. So in terms of, because uh, there's going to be a lot of people that, like we were talking about before, that aren't super tech savvy, um, are either afraid of it or just don't like change, that kind of thing. What would you say, in your opinion, would be, I guess, bare minimum tech skills or tools to be able to deliver a service online? Get a microphone and get more comfortable showing up on video. You can practice with friends. You can practice with family. You should be right now. You should be practicing with friends and family and doing regular video calls. You need that level of connection. Um, But getting more comfortable where to look on video, um, I think a lot of therapists are really uncomfortable with showing up on video and they're very distracted by their face. They're very distracted by themselves, but just get comfortable in terms of how you need to hold your phone, hold your device, um, where you need to go in terms of lighting, you know, don't have a bright light behind you have natural lighting, ideally on the other side of the device, the, the, computer, whatever you're on. But I think just getting more comfortable showing up on video and having a mic and getting plugged in. You know, for me, I this is how I spend a lot of my day. It's not that strange for me to be walking around mic'd up and plugged in. Um it's and not. showing up on video. Right? <laughs> like and it's definitely not. No. And so just getting more comfortable with that, you know, find your seating, find your position, find whatever whatever you need and practice so that when you are communicating in any context in a video platform with a client, with a colleague, you're more comfortable and you're more grounded and you're more, 
just in a better position to facilitate a session or, or do some type of work in the online space. So that would be where I would start. And you can do that through FaceTime, through Google Hangout. You can do that through Facebook. You can, like, there are so many different ways. You can do that through WhatsApp, through Voxer. You can just record a short video and send it through text, but get more comfortable showing up on video. It's free. I think one thing that I would add to that too, is a lot of people do get self-conscious and that kind of thing with video. And if you are that person, then in a lot of these apps, Zoom, Google Hangouts, uh, you usually get a little thumbnail with you in it, that off. So you can't see yourself. If that's if that's really distracting you, um, it doesn't necessarily bother me because it's this tiny little thumbnail up there. One thing it has taught me is exactly how often I touch my face. Uh, which is interesting. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Even a little things. I, I didn't know I talk more out of one side of my face than the other. I had no idea until I was doing video all the time. I'm like, oh, look at that. Yeah. I'm totally asymmetrical and I had no idea and I'm 41. Like <laughs> the, the things we're learning. Well, that's it. Um, but I, I think the other piece to that when we're that concerned about ourselves on video is knowing, you know, how are you of benefit when you are that caught up in how you're showing up on video? And really, can you put yourself in the shoes of the person you're trying to connect with? Because if you're that caught up with yourself, it's really impeding your connection. And we really need, you know, that energy needs to carry through video um, above and beyond what it would be like in person. And no one cares. You know, I used to be quite self-conscious until that, you know, I had so many videos where, oh, who knows something. I had a little child, you know, Max, even the other day, he threw a Spider-Man blanket over my face when I was live streaming into my group. (laughs) He was trying to get, he was trying to cover the dog with the blanket, but he threw it over me and literally caught me off guard. You know, it happens. Um, I used to get really upset. Not, no, I didn't. That's a lie. It used to bother me a little bit where I would contemplate, should I get this edited out? And I never did because it was too much work, uh, but it, um, no one cared, you know, and that was part of it. Other people, you're human. I mean, I'm not saying have your child in the background if you're doing a client session, um, but just know that, you know, I don't know. You don't have to be you're, on a professional set. People understand be that this prof- is real Be life. professional, but be human, yeah, right? Yeah. Like be, be professional, 100%. If you're doing a client session, ideally you don't have children running around in the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you, if your child barges in and it happens, you know, if you deal with it in the moment and that's okay, we can be flexible. And the person on the other side of the screen, they're human too. And often it just helps them empathize and connect with you on a different level. It's okay. And I think that's that's one of the things that I, for me, I think is important during this time. Uh, and granted, I'm not working via telehealth, but yeah, this is unprecedented for the whole world. And it's literally happened so quickly that people are being reactive and essentially playing catch up, trying to get on top of what they can do uh, given that the circumstances, like we said earlier, are changing sort of every second day. Uh, it, it's different. It's a different world. I think the people that we work with understand that, and I think that the only person that we're doing a disservice to by 
trying to be perfect and deliver this, you know, ideal vision of how we would deliver online services to is ourselves. Because I think the longer that we, it's almost that uh, paralysis by analysis, like you were talking about before about whether or not you should get the video edited. This is real life. Same as in an in-person therapy situation. That's still real life. You are working with people in their real lives this is part of your real life, and unfortunately, sometimes those distractions are going to happen. Obviously, you want to limit them if possible. You don't want to be, you know, doing a telehealth session. Obviously, it won't matter at the moment if you're doing it in the middle of a shopping center, but my point was, like, lots of distraction and that kind of stuff. But most people, 90% of people are going to understand if something like that happens because we're all yeah. in the same boat at the moment. This is probably the one of the only times that the whole world has been in the same situation. That doesn't yes. happen very often, aside from, say, a war. Yeah, it's an interesting time in history. Well, and I would, I would also say, you know, it's a disservice to ourselves, but it's a disservice to our clients, especially the clients who really need us right now. Hmm. You know, especially the clients who, like, there are people right now that would really benefit from... And I say you as in, you know, the OT listening to this, there are a lot of clients out there who would really benefit from your support, from your resources, from your knowledge and expertise. And you are not, if you're not showing up, you know, if they don't even know you're out there, like what a disservice that is to your future clients, to your potential clients, people who, you know, it could be life changing for them if they could work with you and they don't even know about you because you're afraid to show up on a Facebook live or you're afraid to show up on Instagram, or you're afraid to show up in a group because of what people might think because of the background or your voice or something that's fairly irrelevant in a lot of ways. And, you know, get over yourself and show up because your clients are out there and they need you. And they're never going to, if they don't know you're out there, like if they don't know how to find you, if you can't figure out how to cut through the noise, you know, it's a disservice to you, but boy, the clients who could benefit from working with you, like it really sucks that they can't find you, um, that they have no idea what you're all about or that you could be the one to really you know, facilitate some massive change in their lives and help, help them reach those goals at a time when there's a lot of turmoil and chaos. And, yeah. and like you said at the start, we need to find ways of getting out of our own way. Yeah, personal development on steroids right now. That's what's going on. <laughs> I was speaking with a, an awesome OT the other day and the saying that she came up with for that uh, trying not to be a perfectionist was 80% effort, send it. I'm like, I like that. I can do that. You've got time. I think once you've got, once you've got some sort of operating framework and you've started, then you can start fine tuning and improving and all of that little stuff. But, if you same with any project, if you're going to wait until everything is absolutely perfect, uh, you're never going to start. So progress, not perfection. Um, that's a big thing. You know, we, we joke about, we're going to get t-shirts made in my group, uh, but it's, it's just about getting it good enough. You know, 80% is good enough. And 
we have to be okay with that. You know, it's not school where we're striving for the A plus. It's not placement where, you know, it's exceptional. It's get it to good enough and move on. Um, it will evolve. You'll learn the lessons you need to learn, but you need to continue taking action and executing and getting to the point where, you know, 80%. Okay. Let's get it out there. Let's get feedback and let's keep moving forward. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's tough, but again, that's where we come back to finding different ways of, of getting that support. And if you're in a position where you have an employer or a boss, who's not providing you different levels of support, there are lots of peer led programs out there. There are so many different communities. There are so many different options. Uh, yes, there's a huge demand for telehealth, but there's also a lot of supports rolling out for therapists who need to do more in the online space as well. That's awesome. Um, let's wrap up. Because what better way to finish than that? <laughs> so you you mentioned earlier that you had a free group and free course and all of those sort of resources. Where can people yeah. find that kind of stuff? All that stuff. Uh, so my website's melissalapoint.com, and then we have so the virtual the virtual therapist OTs and online revenue streams is my free Facebook group, and then we rolled out. I created a free training, so creating a digital product. Uh, we just rolled it out. Now we're on, we got it. So it was good enough, you know, progress, not perfection. And now we're in the process of tweaking it and we'll continue to tweak it live in the moment as we have different OTs go through it. So it was a paid offering, but we created it. It's free. As long as the pandemic's going on, we're going to keep it free. Um, and we'll just reevaluate when the time comes. But again, we cover, you know, some basics in terms of working in the online space, leveraged offers, what that might look like, uh, some just basic terminology that I think a lot of OTs, most OTs should understand at this point. So we try to just roll it out in bite-sized chunks to at least introduce you to language and terminology that, again, I consider now an essential skill, especially if we're looking at sustainability, if we're looking at a client-centered way of showing up online. If we're looking at managing burnout, you know, these are all skills that let's, let's lean into it and figure this out. We can adapt. We will adapt. You know, we're really creative as a profession, um, but it's a matter of supporting one another and a steep learning curve right now, but we've got this, you know, we can, yeah, we can do this. And, but it, it means learning, learning a lot and again, adapting, but we're capable. <laughs> That we are and that we can. Thank you so much for coming and having a chat. It's been a lot you of fun. You are very welcome, Brock. your brain. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. My brain is available. Nice. Well, we also have another idea that we'll do another episode on, but this one just yes. seemed very timely and uh, something that would be valuable to a lot of people, uh, yeah. at the, especially at the present. So, yeah, thanks for, for making the time and, and coming in sharing your expertise my pleasure anytime <laughs>